Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode number 40, entitled, Ileana and Her Man. Um, no, no, it should be her alien, Morlock, in which I'll examine issue number 34. Please stay tuned. Today we're going to try a new segment out. It's a news roundup of New Mutant related materials. Uh, so we'll we'll see. It probably won't occur every week, just because I don't think there's that much news pertaining to the New Mutants. But this week there's some a good amount of stuff. So the first thing I want to talk about really quickly: Fox is canceling the Gifted. I don't know that that's any really that much of a surprise, considering Fox just basically sold the rights to all the X-Men-related, Marvel-related material they had back to Disney. Pretty much all of Fox's uh, holdings have gone over to Disney, so, like, I'm not that shocked by that move. Uh, That joins the junk heap of all of Netflix stuff. You know, we'll probably see most of that on Disney's new streaming service when that launches. Another piece of news I have really, really really tried to um, avoid talking about the movie, the New Mutants movie, just because it's a chaos, uh, chaotic mess um, at this point. Um, it's been delayed again. I don't think that's a surprise to really anyone. Um, I was super excited when I found out, originally found out it was coming out. It's one of the reasons I really wanted to start the podcast is sooner than later because... I was like, I gotta get to the Demon Bear saga before the movie comes out so we can compare the two. Well, at the rate it's going, it may never see the light of day. Uh, There was some talk that renewed hopes were renewed at a Comic-Con event, I believe, when it appeared in advertisement material, um, a promo event, and New Mutants was on the promo with Dark Phoenix Saga and all the Avengers movies. In Disney's lineup, and people thought that meant maybe theater bound. Well, it's probably been delayed again. Evidence indicates that from uh, iHorror.com, I believe, reported this. I mean, when you think about it, they've been talking reshoots for I don't know how long. We've been talking rewrites, and Josh Boone, the director of the film, has moved on to begin writing for The Stand. So, when's it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Or is this another Fox item that is just destined for Disney's uh, streaming service? More will be revealed. I don't want to talk about it every week, but I thought I should throw it in there today. So, last and possibly the best piece of news related to our new mutants is Chris Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz are being possibly reunited for a new mutants one-shot. Uh, Legends of Marvel is something that was found on Amazon. It has no real information, just a brief rundown. But those two are both there, so there's a chance that there might be a new a New Mutants one-shot. Now, this could also be just an opportunity for Marvel to reprint the story they did in X-Men Unlimited number 43. But either way, it might be kind of cool to have an opportunity to own a hardbound set of great artists and writers pairings in Marvel history. So be on the lookout for that. That's really it, though, for the news roundup. Like I said, it's probably uh, probably not something I'll be able to do every week, but we will, anytime something relevant comes up, I'll try to make sure I touch on it in the podcast. So yeah, uh, fingers crossed on the movie, but my I'm not honestly not really all that hopeful. And even if it does release, I'm a little nervous that it may not be as good as the book. Well, it sure probably won't be as good as the book, but I'm I'm worried that it won't be good at all. Let's just be honest. Anyways, that's the news roundup. Let's get into some comics. Before we begin exploring issue 34 with a little bit of luck, Let's talk quickly about the creative team. Chris Claremont, he's the writer. 
We've got Steve Laliola. This is the last issue of his fill-in arc. So this is the conclusion of his time on New Mutants. Uh, love him, hate him. I, I think he's a competent, competent villain. I, I think it's a tough spot to step in and try to fill the shoes of Bill Sienkiewicz, especially here and now. Like This is him trying his best to do Zinkevich-like work, and uh, I think he he... I think he does okay. I think it's not a fair comparison, and I, I think it was a tough ask for anyone. Now, uh, that being said, I, I I don't mind his art terribly. I, I also don't think uh, there's anything that really blows my socks off about it. I mean, I, I'll say this. I think his Ileana is stunning. I think there are moments when he draws characters uh, that are just absolutely gorgeous, and I really, really, really appreciate his layouts in this arc. Like I talked about in the last two issues, especially that first one, the way he lays out the explanation to catch readers up if they hadn't read the previous arc, and the way he tells the story panel to panel, and the pacing that allows this like noir, like undercover, uh, spy-type feel... This like James Bond esque type feel, like I dig that, I really do, and I think it fit well to this story, and I think he did a very good job with that. And I don't know what Zinkevich would have done with it. I don't know. It's his style is not as abstract, Steve Laliola's, as as Zinkevich, I would argue, and therefore, um. He he may have been better suited to tell that type of story. I don't know. I have no idea. I, there's no way to know unless we have Zinkevich sit down and try to uh, lay this story out um, himself without having looked at this. Either way, I, I, I applaud Leliola. I think he had big shoes to fill, and I think it was a tough ask, and I think he did a competent job. I, I do. I really like his art here, and I enjoyed it. So kudos to him. Uh, Glynis Oliver, she is the colorist still, uh, and it's or- Orzacheski and Bahalis are uh, co-lettering on this issue, and Nascenti and Jim Shooter are still our editors. So that's the creative team. Throughout this arc, it hasn't changed, and that's not a bad thing. Anyways, let's not hesitate any longer. Let's get into this issue. It's, it's a pretty pretty solid issue, so I'm excited to talk about it. So this issue opens with a splash page, as usual, um, and we have Ileana uh, being confronted by an extremely pissed-off, P.O.'d warlock. He is ready to to just annihilate Ileana. He doesn't trust her. He thinks she's betrayed all of the new mutants, which she has. She has turned them all over to karma including Storm, the only two new mutants that remain, the only two mutants that remain to face Karma are Ileana and Warlock. And in the for, as, as Ileana spins to face him, she, we see Sim at, his, at her feet. He is unconscious, just out on the, on the ground. And Warlock, he, he, he wants answers. And Ileana's trying to explain that she has a plan, that, that he just needs to trust her, and he is not willing to trust her. And matters have been made worse if we remember that in the last arc, in the last issue of this arc, he has seen all of his friends, all of the new mutants, attacking him and hurting him and harming him. And they're his friends, and he's been told, no, no, they're, they're not themselves. This is not them. And, in fact, he's asked to save Sam after Sam Guthrie had attacked himself, Warlock, and, and, and Danny and Ileana and, and Rain at that point. And he does so begrudgingly. And then when he does help Sam and saves him, Sam attacks him, as does Rain. And so he is not understanding what's going on at all. He had not met Karma, and he's just not quite understanding why his friends are turning against him. And so here he's confronted with Ileana, who Sim has also added to the problem by showing him around Limbo, showing him the skeletal remains of the X-Men, and talking about how Ileana 
had been brought up here and was raised by a demon lord called Blasco and how he, she had murdered the X-Men. And so he does not trust her at all right now. And Ileana, trying to deal with him, he's not listening and he wants to fight. She called uh, some demons, as she's trying to talk him down, some of her pet demons appear out of nowhere and they want to fight, you know, protect Ileana. And Ileana tries to get them to, to stand down uh, as they surround Warlock to these demons. He reaches out, he touches them, and he is debating whether he should transmute them or not. But he decides he must, even though he's been told in the past by Danny Moonstar, who is now possessed by karma, that unless she gives him, the, tells him, hey, you're, you know, do, go ahead and do it, transmute these things, you know, take their lives, that he's not supposed to. But he has no one to tell him, and he feels like he's all alone. So he reaches out and he touches both of these demons and he transmutes them and then he draws their life life glows from them, essentially killing them. Ileana's had enough. She draws her soul sword and she looks like she's ready to strike down Warlock. She is the master of this realm and she tells him so. What her will, her will is law. What she desires becomes reality. And it looks like she's about to slash at him with her soul sword, and she turns into this blonde teenage girl in this white, bluish dress with pink ribbons and bows. And she stands ready to allow Warlock to strike her down and essentially tells him that, you know, like, I'm not going to fight you, is what he te- she tells him. And that, you know, like, if he can't trust her, if he can't figure out a way to, like, come to terms with this, to work together to save their friends, then then she doesn't want, you know, just to let him do it. If if you know him killing her is makes things okay, then that's what she's gonna let him do. She's not gonna fight Warlock. And he crumples as he's faced with this innocent young girl, this defenseless young blonde girl who's unwilling to fight him. He just collapses to the ground. He begins to melt into nothing. And he, he hates himself for it. He hates himself for, for not being strong enough to strike her down, to take her life. And he looks at this as why his, he, he's not Mangus material, right? His father, the Mangus, is gonna is an alien entity that he has to kill to take its place. He is a mutant in that he does not follow the normal order of things for the transmutant transmode alien creature that he is. That's not how his race operates. And he sees this as as his problem, as the thing that makes him weak and um Less than. And Ileana's yelling at him, telling him, you know, not really, well, confronting him and trying to get him to come back together, to pull himself together, you know, literally, because he's melting into the ground, essentially. And she tells him, no, you know, this is, this is, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you're, you're noble, you're brave, you're true blue. You're, you know, as good as any of the mutants or the X-Men. And she tells him she's going to give him a tra- chance to prove that. Because she has a plan on how to save their friends. And she goes a step further. You know, she's trying to get him to come back together. Is pull, literally pull himself together. I really like that. I like this imagery. Uh, it works really well. Like, he's collapsed and falls up falls apart, you know, he's just melting away to nothing. She's trying to pull him, like, get him to pull himself together. I just, I really enjoy it. But anyways, um, she tells him, you know, if, if you don't do this, if you don't help me, you're just, you are all the things that you say you are. You know, you've got to help me. And he is ready to befriend Ileana again. He, he's, he trusts her. He's willing to trust her. Um, and so then she tells him, well, we need to look at the scarring pool. So she, she, they look into the scarring pool and they see into the Pharaoh Club. 
And we see all the new mutants surrounded, surrounding Karma. And Karma is doing what she does. She is toying with people, the patrons, using her minions, uh, the, the, those she's enthralled. So the new mutants and Storm. And her favorite of the toys is now Storm. And so she tries to direct Storm to go out and create chaos, and Storm fights. Her will is just so strong that uh, she will not surrender. She will not do as she is told, and she she resists. And we see Ileana looking in the scar pool, scar, scar, uh, scrying pool, and she is dreading this. This is not what she wants. If Storm can break the hold then it, Storm becomes just another pawn that Karma can use against her. What, what, and and it's just, it just strengthens Karma to a degree. And, and what Ileana really needs is Storm to just, just give in, to, to not be able to break free. Uh, this is a huge gamble, Ileana knows. And she still hasn't really explained the plan to anyone, you know, to, to Warlock. Um, or us, the readers, for that for that mar- matter. But uh, Storm is unable to resist as Karma redoubles her efforts and is able to bring her bring her back under her thumb, essentially to 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 possess her completely and totally. And she has, and and we jumped to from from Ileana's view to a more per, uh, to the view from. The Feral Club. Um, we transition to the Feral Club, and we see Storm dragging herself across the floor to Karma's feet, and she kisses Karma's feet, and we get a great shot of the crowd surrounding on the dance floor, looking on, and I mean, there's just all sorts of different takes and opinions. The crowd is um, elated. Some are disgusted. Some are demanding more some don't even see a point to any of this they don't find it entertaining some see it as a waste of time some are bored by it you know some have seen so much more all of which they're watching that's the point it's it's like watching a bad car wreck it's like watching reality tv before reality tv was a thing um and uh karma Kind of fills us in, the readers, what what is happening, who Karma is, what's going on, and uh, catches the readers up to speed if you have missed any of the last issues. And Karma also realizes, as she's talking to Storm, who has crawled up to her, she grabs Storm by the neck and says to her that she knows the truth, that Storm knows the truth. Um, as as we probably at this point now now know as well, the readers know that this is this this the karma is not karma. This is not karma. This is an entity possessing karma, using karma, some e- evil entity. And the Shadow King, that's who it is, set tells Storm and the audience, or us, the reader, quote, Charles Xavier's oldest, bitterest deadliest foe and Shadow King's plan's pretty simple here one is to we, so this is laying the stakes is to use Storm and the New Mutants to get vengeance on Xavier pretty simple pretty plain Jane to take that so that's there's not really a time sensitive thing on that right when Xavier comes to free them that's when vengeance will happen uh, or potentially they will lash out but for now, this is where we're at. Time isn't super imperative. Now, the next thing that raises the stakes and makes pressure, makes for pressure, I would argue, is that the Shadow King will alter Storm's mind and so that there's no need to possess her. The Shadow King's going to basically rebuild Storm's mind. And if the Shadow King can do that to Storm... The Shadow King can likely do that to all the new mutants. And once that's done, the Shadow King won't need karma anymore. They'll just be enthralled to the Shadow King. And they'll be evil. 
corrupted. And the Shadow King has talked about this, how the crowds that come and watch, as they, it's like an addiction. And part of them becomes corrupted. It's, it's similar to what happened to Ilyana, except for on a smaller scale. They become dark and evil and tainted little by little over time. And so these are the stakes. These heroes, in a day, by that evening, they, they should be under the Shadow King's thrall without the need for karma anymore. Cairo, the past, nearly 20 years ago. Um, and something that's really cool uh, here is Claremont, our, our, our writer and narrator, is using Ileana's teleportation, in a sense, to give us a flashback, right? It's narr- her teleportation here is an extremely useful narrative tool. And Ileana has teleported Warlock and herself back to Cairo. And they're standing in this busy, uh, the busy streets, clogged uh, marketplace. And they see this white-haired, blue-eyed, African woman, girl, running through the streets. She's pickpocketing people. And she has just finished pickpocketing pickpocketing a American tourist. And she scurries, runs off from him. And finally she thinks she's escaped, eluded him. Well, this person appears... It turns out that it's it's Xavier. It's Charles Xavier. She's pickpocketed a telepath. And he obviously is not easily shaken, right? He he tracks her down and he and he gets his his wallet back from her. She's shocked. I mean, this stuns her like no one's ever caught her before. How is this even possible? Well, before they can even really engage in any conversation, Xavier's hit by an extremely powerful telepath. Um, and here's something that uh, their narration kind of, it's its slightly odd um, here. Uh, we get, and I'm just going to read what Claremont writes. Suddenly, though, he struck down himself by similar but incredibly brutal psychic assault, whose nexus is a nearby saloon. In all his life, he has never encountered such a raw power or malevolence. Now, in the panel, we don't ever see Xavier fall down, so strike down might just be, you know, like the a way of conveying how powerful this psychic entity is, or it's a miscommunication between Leliola and Claremont. I'm not sure which. It's a minor snafu here, but at no point do we see Xavier on the ground, and if it isn't meant that he was supposed to be knocked off his feet, I think it's a poor... I would argue it's a poor choice of words at this point. Um, there might have been other other ways to convey that. Um, either way, the idea is Xavier sent something, and it's powerful and evil, and he's going to investigate, and he just forgets about this young girl who had just pickpocketed him. He walks into the, the saloon, and this girl is elated, obviously, as she runs off into the crowd and, at, you know, just completely taking advantage of her good fortune. Well, Ileana and Locke have watched this all happen. And Ileana now knows that Storm was telling the truth early, as if she's ever lied to these kids. But she knows now, she has verified proof that Storm was a thief. She did live in Cairo, and she and she was a thief, which is hard to believe, you know, when you think about her uh, much older self. She's much more uh, regal and um, together and uh, law-abiding, I guess. Maybe there's some good words to describe Storm. Either way, Ileana and Warlock scurry to the window. They're going to watch uh, this unfold. But Ileana does warn Warlock. She's like, well, we can't be sensed by telepaths because our minds are closed to them because of our psychic blocks. That doesn't mean that they won't be able to hear us. So we have to keep quiet. we got to stay out of sight. And so they watch through the window as Xavier approaches this rotund, large, rotund man. And this is Omar Farouk. 
He's the absolute ruler of the Cairo thieves. And Xavier sits down and both men kind of look at each other. No one says a word. And Xavier stands up after some pinkish smoke streams from the middle of his back. And as he walks away and puts his hand on, we see black singe marks on the back of it, on the back of his brown jack, uh, like adventurer's coat thing, whatever it is. And Farouk flops down onto the table face first with a thud. And the narration tells us only one leaves the room alive. So clearly, Xavier has done battle with him psychically and and killed him. Now, Ileana from this pieces it all together. That That's Farouk. That's the guy that has possessed. That's the entity that possessed karma. That entity is trying to use the new mutants and Storm to get vengeance on Xavier for whatever reason. And for however it was possible, that entity escaped death. And now it's returned and wants, you know, like I said, vengeance on Xavier. So Ileana has to confront this. This is this is certain. Now they know that karma's not the bad big bad. They've got it nailed down, she believes. And now now, now it's time for her plan of action. And she tells Warlock at this point that she needs Warlock, that he is key to the plan. It's time for him to play the hero. And they're going to go after their friends. They're going to rescue their friends. And Warlock, for his part, he initially is suspect. He still is not sure. And he says, you know, we, we, we can't do this alone, you know. <laughs> We need to get the X-Men. And there's problems with that, Ileana points out. One, she'd have to teleport them here. So she'd have to go home and back, bring them back. And with her distance issues, with teleporting over great distances, there's a chance that she would fail, that it wouldn't work, that that they could end up any time or place. Two, if she couldn't get back to the right time, I mean, there's not that much time before this evening. And this evening, that's when... Farouk was going to begin, Farouk slash the Shadow King was going to begin altering the minds of his uh, captives so that he would no longer have to use karma to possess them. And, like, they're running out of time. And if she makes a mistake in her teleportation, all could be lost. So they just don't have time. And by bringing more more people for Farouk, the Shadow King, to possess, it only makes it harder for them to free them, is her, her, her to a certain degree, her thinking as well. No, she decides it's, it's up to her and Warlock. They're the only, only chance their friends have. And it's a gamble, but, but they got to do it. And so she tells them it's up to them and by themselves and she asks him you know if that's if he can do that and he says okay and so she says great and smooches him she pulls his head to get close and kisses him on the cheek and we get this like great expression from warlock his eyes are bugged out uh all these lines kind of like straight shooting from his face you can tell it's a of shock he's got this emoji symbol of a heart with a lightning strike through it and then Next to that panel, there's this little blink of light and says they split. You know, meaning they've teleported. They went back to limbo. Elsewhere, back at the Feral Club, present day, Karma gloats. She has Storm chained. She's not willing to allow Storm to prance around. Not until Karma has achieved her goal of of complete and total domination of Storm, um, rewriting her will, essentially, making her a puppet for life without the need to possess. Karma engages in this conversation, you know, that she, that talking about how Storm is the strongest of all her toys and therefore will be the first to be tamed. And Storm parrots all the things that Karma wants her to say, like, your honor, you honor me, Karma, I can hardly wait, things of this nature. And Karma 
Farouk, or the Shadow King. Maybe I should just call the Shadow King the Shadow King from now on, or at least Karma slash the Shadow King. Something to to denote that. Um, the Shadow King in Karma's body tells Storm, well, it, it, I'm going to release you so that you will fight. I want you to see and feel the last moments of your freedom and to realize they're gone and that you were defeated. And Storm, for her part, even though she's chained to a pillar, responds that she that, that the Shadow King, Farouk, should be dead. What cruel whim of fate has spared your misbegotten life? And Karm and Shadow King tells us, you know, that I'm just gonna read what the Shadow King says. Quote I confess my passion for self preservation surprised even me. My body was dead. I managed to shift my consciousness onto the ultra plane. Xavier was so drained himself by our duel, he never noticed. And it's from the shadow plane that it, that the Shadow King was beginning. Farouk was trying to lash back out at Xavier. Farouk was trying to 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 punish, to assault Xavier, but Xavier was too strong. And Farouk was too weak. And there was no chance. His defenses were just too great. Well, he found a weak, hurt, injured, fearful, frightened young woman, Karma. And used Karma's ability to possess against her. And in fact, Karma still dwells deep inside inside her own body. She's locked away. And so when... This body, Karma's body, has served Farouk's purpose when, when it has run its course and Farouk is ready for a new body, he can just up and leave. And Karma will return to her body and will endure the humiliation that has been brought to it, but also will be, ser- will be forced to serve for the, you know, uh, be the be to blame for all the crimes that he has committed. And Farouk will be scot-free. And this is all going to come after Storm has been the one to slay Xavier. That is Farouk's ultimate plan. Uh, But this, and, and Farouk is just about to begin enthralling Storm, rewriting her will when this is interrupted. Someone has arrived, and, Fru- and, and Karma, Farouk, is shocked. It's Ileana, and, and Farouk wants to know how Ileana got in, and Ileana's like, well, I'm a teleporter, of course. How, how you know, like, no door, no locks are going to keep me out. And Ileana tells Farouk, I, you know, th- that she wants to make this deal because she doesn't want to end up like these other mutants. And Farouk is extremely pleased. Um, and wants to seal this bond by taking hands and kissing hands, and then and then they'll celebrate properly with champagne and caviar. And Ileana does take Fruk's Karma's hand, and Karma begins crushing her hand, and Ileana lets out a yow, which I don't think we've ever seen that textually from. Era Ileana. I don't think we've ever seen the way that text is drawn or the way that text's read um, or those words ever. And Ileana tells Karma, you're hurting me. And Karma insists that Ileana yield. Karma will have Ileana as her thrall, just as she does the new mutants. And Ileana figures out it was a trap. And Farouk puts the new mutants to sleep and is going to focus solely on overwhelming and capturing Eliana. And as this battle of wills goes on and Farouk crushes and grabs Eliana's arm, we see blinks of Wolfbane, Mirage, Storm, Magma, Cypher, Sunspot, and this is alternated with 
the battle between these images are alternated but with the battle between karma uh Farouk and Ileana and we we discover that in fact the new moons are disappearing one at a time and it appears that karma Farouk has gained the upper hand and just as Karma senses Ileana's weakening, and Ileana lets out this scream of no and despair. And just as Sunspot disappears in a blink, Ileana goes all like wiry, and we discover that that it's not Ileana at all. It's actually Warlock, who's been in disguise as Ileana, and Karma's shocked. Farouk is shocked that that it wasn't Ileana at all, that, 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 she, that Warlock has occupied Farouk. And in this moment, in this uh, time that he's been preoccupied with who he thought was Ileana, actually, Ileana's been teleporting away the New Mutants to Limbo to break Karma's hold over them. And Warlock feels like he's failed. He he thinks that, you know, he's let Ileana down. He tried so hard, but he's too weak and too afraid. And before this conversation can really continue between Farouk and Karma, there's an explosion from the floor. Lava erupts from around Farouk. And Farouk is certain that he's been tricked. And we know that this lava can only come from one source. It's magma. And Storm appears as well. And tells Farouk that his hold over them has been broken. The truth has been revealed. Your day is done. And Farouk, you know, is ready to confront Storm. And as as that is about to occur, Roberto comes ripping through the floor in his sunspot form, sending Karma Farouk flying into the air. And Sam takes over and in it, using his cannonball ability, smashes into Farouk Karma, blasting him into the wall. And, and Sam is aware this is Farouk, but knows that they can't let up, because if they let up, Farouk will possess him again. But, you know, at the same time, they have to, to physically fight Farouk in Karma's body. They have to hurt Karma. And uh, as all this is occurring, Rain runs to Warlock, who's kind of become a mess on the floor, just a... a blob of of warlock you know another slime pile of techno organic warlock um to ask if he's okay and he says circuitry ashes hard to maintain physical cohesion and Ileana sees us and runs to warlock trying to get him to you know warning him to look out that rain has been now turns to a wolf form and that that that's that's Farouk. Rain's been nabbed again, and Rain bites, chomps down on Warlock, and Warlock makes a spring with a platform and and throws Rain in, in her wolf form away, and he's he's okay. It did not hurt him too too badly. It's just cosmetic cosmetic damage, and Danny decides you know that she's scared Farouk once using her her mage abilities and hopefully with Farouk off balance she'll she'll have no problem, you know, you know, attacking again and and bring forth those fears. And when she does, she reaches into you know Karma Farouk's mind and what appears is a scene from Vietnam. Soldiers uh running at Karma in this mess of Vietnam on the battlefield and we see a helicopter strafing towards her and we've seen this before right we've seen karma pull had her had these memories pulled from her before by Danny and Danny realizes this isn't right that that Farouk this is not Farouk's greatest fear this is karma's so Farouk is no longer possessing karma and Warlock is ready. He's fit to be tied. He's so angry. He's so tired of 
being deceived. He just is not understanding what's going on. He understands his friends can be possessed, but he doesn't know. He, he wants to lash out. He wants to punish somebody, but it's it's so nuanced and he's unable to just keep up. And both Ileana and uh, Danny, you know, corral him and he is extremely upset and he and he figures that they've been possessed again and Ileana's quick to say no no I can't be possessed remember that that he's left her he's no longer in karma's body and karma for her part is shocked now that she's free she can see her hands and her body and she she wonders what's happened to her and the team the new mutants go to her And they realize that she's been free. And Danny tries to comfort her. And says it's going to be okay. Even as she realizes it'll probably never be. But she can't tell karma that. That that it's not going to be okay. That that things will be all... You know, that that this is never going to be straightened out. Danny doesn't want to let Carmen know this, but she's afraid maybe this lie will show through. And Sam says, for his part, he says, I think we're being suckered, you know, they think they're being suckered. Um, that Farouk's probably, if he's left Karma, he could be possessing any one of their minds. Or... And so they begin talking, and then they realize that Farouk has left Rain as Rain falls to the floor. And Ileana makes another um, decision on the fly. She's going to try to... to for, she, 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 she goes to Storm, and she pulls her, her uh, soul sword... And Storm figures that the reason Wolfsbane's been targeted is because of her ability as a wolf to sense her wolf senses. That had Frook not knocked her out, um, she would have been able to track his his uh, location by scent. Um, and Ileana says, "Not him, Aurora. You, Frook hated." Hate for you was special. It was you he most enjoyed possessing. You're the one he must have reluctant, was he'd be most reluctant to let go. And she tells them all, just very bluntly, that there has been, there's a power to her soul sword that none, she has not revealed to anyone. And if she puts all of her power, all of her energy, all of her soul, everything into her blade, it will kill. And as she looks as though she's ready to bring it down on Storm, she swings it back and stabs Doug. And Doug lets out a, No, not me, please! And Doug is surprised. He's surprised to find himself uninjured. And now Ileana has pieced it together. And she figures that it's Doug. That Doug is is Farouk has taken over Doug. And, and the others agree that, that it's likely that's the case because Doug's the nicest of them all. He's the weakest with the weakest power. He's the one that no one would suspect. He is also the one if he were to up and leave the team one day, no one would be surprised because his powers are not combat. And he is, you know, he's got so much more going on for his life than they do. And they're right. That is who it is. And, and Farouk is defiant here. And he's not willing to give up Doug's body. The only way he's going to give up Doug's body is if it's dead. And that's what he tells them. And Storm's ready to oblige. She pulls a dagger and jumps on him. And the two struggle. And Karma intervenes. She says, you know, that the swine is hers to do battle with. Come, Farouk. Place your, your slave in. Instead of catching her uh, by surprise when she was weak and wounded. And let us see how formidable you truly are. She's, she's inviting Farouk into her mind. 
and Farouk indulges her. He he takes her on, and we see essentially the the psychic duel. This is, but we see the psychic duel from their eyes. And Farouk, he puts forth an image of confidence and um, extreme. Um, yeah, extreme confidence, right? It's it's this muscle-bound, huge man, right? Like this, um, just powerful human being. Whereas the image that we see from Karma is pretty much just a carbon copy of her current form, her current uh, size and everything. Her confidence has been shattered. She doesn't believe that she can do this, apparently, um, and Farouk notices this and he tells her this is his domain. His power reigns supreme here, you know, and this isn't going to be much of a fight. And he, he points out that she was extremely happy when she believed, when she was stuck with inside of her own body and he was possessing it. Right? Like in the place that she had found inside herself, she was happy. It's the first time in her entire life she'd been happy. Um, and he says, Let me return you to that prison. You'll be happy again. Reality is too cruel and it'll break her heart. So why would you want to endure that? Just, you know, instead embrace the fantasy that I'd created for you. And. It seems like she is ready to let that occur, and the new means tell her to be strong. Her friends all try to be supportive, and he tells them, he swats them away. They appear in this realm in, like, bee form, and he swats them all away. And he says, why fight? You can't even stand. And she begins to resist. She says, I can, monster, and I will. And she breaks free of the 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 form, this massive, huge uh, bloat that she was, I guess, since that's what they've been calling her. She breaks free of it, and we see karma from way back in the original X-Men, right, or in the original New Mutants, in the original uniform, the one that the other New Mutants are wearing. And she easily, easily takes down Farouk. And... She calls him a coward and grabs him, and he begins to get larger, larger, and larger. You, the sulker in the shadows, who delights in harming those weaker than yourself, who boasts of his own superiority to mask the fact that you are and will always remain less than human. I have you, fiend, and I shall hold you until Professor Xavier... And... She's ready to, like, turn him in, to, you know, turn him over to Xavier and let Xavier deal with this malevolent force. But he, poof, in a, you know, burst of light disappears from her grasp. And she realizes that he's fled back to the astral plane. And she's ready to let herself die, right? She she thinks that her whole life is going to be of living in fear now that he will come back, that he'll return in her moment of weakness, in a moment of her not focused on, on keeping him out, you know? And so she begs, because the club, it caught fire during their battle. I guess I should have probably said that. And it's burning now. It's 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 about ready to just come crumbling down around them. Um, and she wants to stay. She's an obscenity. And I can't can't bear to live, essentially, is what she's telling her friends. And, and they won't have it. They won't have it. They want her to fight. They want her to, you know just you know not give in because by by allowing herself to be consumed in this fire you know it's letting Farouk win and they beat him and so they'll find a way to put her right as well and and they plead with her not to give up and she decides she will flee with them and Doug tells, uh, asks Ileana if they could move this somewhere else, and she obliges. She t- ports them um, back to a rooftop uh, a couple blocks from the fire. And they want to know what they're going to do. They ask if they're going to go home, 
and Sam is actually the one who asks. And Storm tells him they've earned a rest, and she knows the perfect place, an island in the Argeans called Kyrnos. There, for a time, you can be happy. So that's the conclusion of the story arc. Let's let's talk real quick about um, the next issues. So the next issue, chronologically, is Home Where the Heart Is. That's New Mutant Special Edition number one, and that is an issue eventually I will be covering. Um, what I've decided to do is I'm going to do a spring summer slash spring special and I figure in that special what I'm going to do is cover the Asgardian Wars and that's going to be part I'm going to cover in that Home is Where the Heart Is this New Mutants issue special edition issue number one so that's going to be June 12th that's going to be the summer special it's going to be a two hour special and I'm going to try to have a co-host on that issue as on that episode as well so look forward to that so instead of jumping into that special edition number one next week we are going to jump into the times they are changing and that is issue number 35 of the new mutants and that's that's the conclusion though so with that said, this let's focus back on what we've been covering. That's the conclusion of the Karma um, Shadow King arc. And that's also the end of Leliola's run on New Mutants. Now, I know that he's not everybody's favorite. But like I said, I think there's some things he did really well. I think he does some things structurally in the issue that I really like. I like the way he tells the story, the way he plots an issue. I really enjoy um, and there's some points in the artwork where I just, I really like it. Like, I like his faces. I like how he draws Storm. Um, I'm not a big fan of his Warlock, to be honest. Um, I like Zinkevich's Warlock, but still Warlock really hasn't found a place on the team yet. And, kind of, you know, you can kind of see Claremont pushing the boundaries with that a little bit and playing with with Warlock, seeing what he is capable of and where he can take that character. Um... And that's going to develop over time more and more. So, uh, which is a good thing, <laughs> I think. I really like Warlock's character. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I, I do really like this crossover, or this, sorry, this this arc. Um, I like Ileana and Danny working together. Um, and Ileana really takes a driver's seat in this issue, you know, in these in these issues. She's the, the focal character, and we're beginning to see her shifting into the spotlight. She's becoming more and more the focus of the New Mutants, and that's going to continue more and more as, as her character really is building towards, I think, what we all know, um, the Inferno, and that's coming, you know, that's that's down the road. And if I can stay on schedule... My winter special, my my Christmas special, is going to be Inferno, that arc. I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to cover it, but I just know that's that's about the time. I was really hoping to make that the Halloween special, but that's not going to happen, unfortunately. Um, just gonna, it's just too far off down the road. If I had planned better, maybe maybe that could have happened, but uh, yeah, not not unfortunately, no, it's not going to. Uh, so, yeah. That's that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the, the groundwork. We've seen a lot of the groundwork already for Inferno, but we're seeing Ileana's character more and more build towards that. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about, I can't remember. Uh, I don't think we've talked about it before. Um, now, Warlock, he had transmuted some of those demons, and then he drained their life glow. Um, now, this does not, as far as I can tell, affect any other parts of Blimbo. Uh, down the road, the transmode virus is going to become a problem for Ileana, and it's going to become a problem in Limbo, and we will see that more and more. It's going to play a big role um, in the Inferno crossover when that when that hits. So, all in all, I do like this arc. Um, I like that we're seeing the Shadow King kind of really being pulled into... Uh, becoming a major bad um and that's all going to to a certain degree come to a head in Mirror Island Saga and that's kind of a disappointing story arc uh it's not as 
good as it could have been. And had it had more time and maybe less editorial interference uh, or been uh, written in a different era of comics, it may have done better. You know, that's on the edge of the 90s. And, and the 90s change the way comics were written. So it's not a surprise to see some of these arcs um, that not have the impact that they might have otherwise. Um, So Farouk is going to continue to be around. Shadow King's kind of a big bad. And uh, we're seeing kind of the groundwork for some of that here. Uh, He's appeared before, but this this is... the groundwork, you know, the New Mutants is a big deal. They they are home of a lot of initial story arcs that will get only bigger as time wears on, especially as Claremont's writing the book. Um, so yeah, Shadow King, we saw that with Legion, and we're going to see that, like I said, with Shadow King in Mirror Island Saga. Now, um... Like, you know, we talked briefly, I guess, a little bit about trend mode virus, how that's going to affect Limbo, and we'll talk more about that. But, you know, again, Leliola, I, I do like him. I, I, I like the way this, this episode was plotted. I do. And I, I keep coming back to that because I, I think he just does get like a short end of the stick. I think he was asked to, to mirror or chose to or was asked to mirror Bill Sienkiewicz to try to try to work in that style, I think that's a tough ask for anybody. I think it was tough to be asked to fill in behind Bill Sienkiewicz, an artist who people either loved or hated. And I I think that anybody that's put in that position is going to have a tough time, especially if they're asked to follow in his footsteps to to work in the style he, he essentially had created. You know, that's something to be thought of. You know, that's something to think about. This man set this style into motion. He's the one who started the experimentation in this book. And now you want somebody new to come in and do the same thing? Like, he that's just not a fair ask. And, and he did it, and I think he did an admirable, uh, an ad- admirable job. I think he did a fine job. I, I do like... There are parts I don't like about the book, art-wise, but for the most part, I, I do enjoy his artwork, and I think he did a great job. I, I think this is a solid story arc and an enjoyable story. Um, and I'm a big fan of Claremont leaving little nooks and crannies to be explored later. So the shake stuff, um, when which will get covered later, like I talked about in the Magic Arcana, um, or Mystic Arcana, um, limited series that gets brought up again. So there are these little bits and pieces that get left to be picked up later, these little strands that will be story arcs down the line. And I enjoy that. So all in all, I think this was an enjoyable read, a real fun read for me. Um, but, you know, where it fits in terms of how you compare Leliola to Sinkevich, I think it's not going to ever be a fair comparison. Um, and as I sit here and I look at the cover of this, uh, New Mutants 34, you know, I'm, like I said, I enjoy the way he draws karma. I can tell who all the characters are. I love his, Dan, you know, Daniel Moonstar's face. I love how he draws Sam, you know. I think he did a really good job, and I applaud his effort. And I, like I said, I think it's a fun arc, and, and I'm excited to see Karma brought back into the fold. And I always think it's a shame that she didn't get more time with the New Mutants. Um, and we're going to get some different story arcs as a result of her interaction with, uh, the Shadow King. Now that I do want to talk about the portrayal of overweight characters, um, especially in Karma's instance, I think it's, I think it was a mistake. Um, honestly, if you asked my personal opinion, um, Weight, especially for women, especially young women, teenage women, is a very, can be a very tough topic from what I understand um, or what I seem to have picked up. You know, like eating disorders are a real thing. And I think anytime that you characterize someone's weight to their behavior or make their weight part of their personality or who they are as a person, I think you've done a disservice 
And I think this is a clearly a space where maybe that was a narrative tool that could have been left aside. Um, the way I get does represent like the lasting marks that were left on karma from her possession by Farouk. Like, I get that, and I get that, like, eating is an indulging thing that allows people to self-soothe. But if you want to go that route, I guess what I would ask writers, if you're going to use these tropes as a way to push narrative forward, forward in your stories, then the responsible thing to do is depict help how does this person cope with their weight gain and how is it unhealthy what are unhealthy and what is healthy and how is that how do they do that healthily you know like essentially it's a service announcement right to a certain degree is what i'm asking for i think to responsibly do this is to be aware that like when we're talking about weight and that especially when it ties to young women female characters in our society that to do that responsibly is important. And uh, I'm not sure this is responsible. What we're seeing is that being large is something that your friends will call you a bloat. They will call you fat. They will call you a beast. They will call you obscenity. They will call you all these terrible names because you're that. And the weight is a byproduct of evil right like it's it's con- it, they're they're linked they're linked together they're not separable and that is not a good message i guess at the end of the day that's just not a good message and it, it's not a message i'd want my my daughter to ever see and read because in our society women are expected to look a certain way um, and whether I personally believe that is the way it should be or not is to a large degree irrelevant because media and television and all of that tells women on a day-to-day basis this is the way to be. And, you know, I I would hope that places of solitude, of refuge, like comics have always been for me, would wouldn't do that. And I get that this is a different place and a different time. And social awareness has probably changed in certain ways, in a lot of ways, probably. Um, and I'm not bad-mouthing Claremont because I love him. And this doesn't change that. But I do just, I just ask that writers be aware that, like, some of the stuff put on page can be harmful and hurt people. And it may not directly cause eating disorder but it's just more of the messaging that women receive right on a day-to-day basis they see it on tv they see it in a comic book they see it in a magazine they see it at school the friends talk about it the friends talk about it the friends talk about it it's just constant it's a constant bombardment and i think that's just something to be aware of and you know i i expect our comic creators to be aware of that stuff you know whatever it is whether it's weight autism um any of that stuff, race, racial issues, all that. Like you're, I would argue they have a responsibility as a, a creator of mass media to do that responsibly. That's that's my argument. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. Um, you're not probably going to change my opinion, and that's that's also okay. <laughs> like I I understand that. Um, yeah, so that's that's my take on the whole karma weight gain thing. Um, not a big fan of it. Not a big fan of it. Now, like I said, let's let's end on a positive note. Uh, the team's back together. They're all going to be together for a couple issues, so that's kind of exciting. We've got karma back in the fold, which is also exciting. Um, there are a lot of good things building forward from this. Uh, like I said, we're going to be covering the Asgardian Wars, but next week uh, we will be jumping into issue number 35. The times, they are changing. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and is produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. 
You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant or via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episodes are available on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores New Mutants. Another great way to reach the podcast is via the uh, Anchor Messenger service. This allows you, the listeners, to record minute-long comments, questions that are then sent directly to me. I can embed those directly into my podcast episodes and answer those or talk about your comments, questions on air. Uh, It's a really cool way for you to become part of the podcast. So try it out. Um, Until next week, keep reading those comics.